0: All right. Welcome back to this conversation. We're just going to jump right in. Let's go.
1: How we perceive the information is how the protein will react, not so much what the information actually is. So, if we look at the world in a very negative pessimistic, "The world is out to get me," it will affect how we act and how we breathe you know how we breathe every day, and when we make those changes, it changes the way we see the world it changes then the way we act in the world and i think uh I think it's awesome I think that's a a cool space to to travel
2: well, what I see now so so first of all i w- I was an actress and I didn't even move to New York until I was 25. So I was already old for that industry. But yeah, I mean, that's just a reality of that industry. And what I started to realize about myself as I got into my mid thirties was that I wanted more control over my creativity, over my life. You know, I had headshots that showed me looking a certain way. And if I was going to walk into an audition, I had to look like that headshot. So if I wanted to change my hair, that meant investing in new headshots. Um, If I wanted to go on vacation, it meant possibly missing an important call for an audition. Constantly felt like I was at somebody else's beck and call and not able to have real control over my life. And I didn't, that's the part of it I didn't like anymore. What I need, what I realize now in in that, in that self-talk that I was doing about getting up there, I look back at my forties now and I, and all the health issues that I had and all the complaining I was doing, I realized that my, my self-talk was, was, I mean, your body reacts to that stuff. I do, I do believe that. I, I think, you know, yeah. And no wonder I felt awful. Um, Because I was saying awful things to myself. Just, you know, I was saying things like, you know, oh, and and this is something we all buy into, by the way. Uh, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Society in general, advertising is all anti-aging. We don't, if you think about it. Specifically for women. Yeah. When you're growing up. Men
0: too, but specifically for women.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And when they do, when they, they don't really advertise to middle-aged people either, it, you know, you, they're ge- generally, if you're looking at primetime TV, we don't exist. Not the demo. Right. And if we do exist, it's, um, help, I've fallen and I can't get up or Rogaine or Botox or this pill or that pill.
0: Viagra. Like, you're broken. You're broken. Like you're, you're broken. in the way you're broken. Eh. Right.
2: And and as as a child, if you think back, it, I don't know about you guys, but certainly for me and a lot of friends I've talked to recently, when I was a child, I pictured myself in my growing up and being in my 20s, maybe my 30s, you know, and, yeah, and yeah. thinking yeah. of that vibrant time, right? And, and that career and that and then maybe having kids and maybe being married and all that stuff. And then there's like this, this, this gray area or a blackout kind of thing and then all of a sudden you can picture yourself maybe being old right but that midlife swath of territory is not visualized we don't There's there's no rites of passage except for maybe the very depressing over the hill 50 year old <laughs> birthday party <laughs> which <I don't>, is <laughs>
1: always like you know? a punchline um, and not really celebrated but right. yeah yeah
2: it's it's depressing, frankly. And as I that reading Mel Robbins' book and, and instituting that five second rule, and really for me, getting up early, setting my alarm across the room, which is something she recommends. So I have to put my damn feet on the ground before I can hit a snooze button. Just setting up that little tiny thing for making yourself get out of bed, and then I committed to. Meditating and exercising, I was like, I can do this for 30 days. Let's just see what happens. What happens if I change this habit? And I changed up my diet too. And I just it was just like a a 30-day experiment. What would happen if I if I tried this? And I just changed my habits. And changing those habits was like, bam. Uh I my energy, my attitude, everything changed. And I suddenly started getting excited. About the next thirty years, and I'd been saying for forever, "Oh my gosh, time is going so fast! I feel like I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to be eighty. I still feel like that. Time, time is just, just, just going by so fast. But now I'm kind of excited about what the next twenty to thirty years could look like if I stay healthy, um, and if I do something I love and I feel makes a difference in the world. It's pretty exciting.
1: You, um. There's a book called The Psychology of Belief that talks about how cells process information mm-hmm. and the receptors in a cell that receives external. It's all about epigenetics, the study of environment on our our cellular maturation and all that stuff. And he calls them perceptors. And it's not that they're receiving information, it's how they perceive the information. And depending on how they perceive the information will determine how they react. And it's very much a cellular, um, how we perceive the information is how the protein will react, not so much what the information actually is. So if we look at the world in a very negative, pessimistic, the world is out to get me, it will affect how we act and how how we breathe every day. And when we make those changes, it changes the way we see the world. It changes then the way we act in the world. And I think, uh, I think it's awesome. I think that's a, a cool space to, to travel. And I'm very curious on that, on that line is you had this, this moment when you had the first layoffs, like I want to do photography. At what point during the 40s, Did you realize that you actually get energy from telling stories? Like, how did you make that transition and and come to that realization?
2: So, I knew right away that my favorite thing to do is to take candid photos. I loved being at like family events and parties and just taking pictures of people talking to each other, laughing together, capturing those moments and technically, like to to be a service photographer, which is what I am I, I did a lot of family photography and headshots and things like that. For family photography, a lot of times what people want is photos of them looking just so and looking at the camera and smiling. and there's a certain technical skill that goes into that that uh, of being able to pose people and get the lighting right and do everything and and that's good. but in the end, I find that kind of photography a little bit boring. What I really like is stirring the pot a little bit. If I'm doing a family session, I'll do a couple of those photos that are camera aware because everybody, you know, it's nice to have that for the Christmas card. But what I really love to do is get kids engaged and playing and parents playing with their kids Um and it's even then it's a little staged it's a little you know there's there's some direction i give people to to get them to do that but that's that's where that's where the whole thing lives for me and even in doing headshots with people i what i love about headshots which seem very it, you're like where's the story there what I really love about it is the one-on-one. It's very much like doing a podcast with somebody and having a one-on-one conversation with them is getting somebody to engage with me and my camera and letting their guard down for just a moment where I really get their the engagement where the eyes match the mouth if they're smiling, where it's yeah, not just yeah. a Lip cheesy, a smile, cheesy yeah. smile and the eyes are dead. But if I can just get that little moment where I actually see them then I feel like there's stories being told, if that makes sense.
1: So I ask this question because a lot of times we go into this cycle. You talk about when you're a kid and you think about the future and what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? What, 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 what do you want to do? It's like, I have no idea. I haven't done enough things, right? But what you come to realize, and you can see this through, I, I often correlate it to sports, like, well, I would love to play sports. It's like, okay, what is it about sports that you like? I actually don't like this, this, or this, but this is what I like. Oh, it's actually might be better because I really like being a part of it, or maybe I want to be a columnist or an agent or all of the other aspects that go into it because of how the, the thing that we actually like isn't the external function, it's the what that external function enables within us, right? And like loving to tell stories, photography is that medium, but the the love is the telling of the story. Getting to that point is really, really hard because we are not given skills to figure that out. So how did you get to that point? And how long did it take? Or was that pretty instantaneous for you?
2: Well, um, I knew that I liked the candids right away, but it was harder to figure out how to incorporate that into the photography. So I would say it took a long time. It took a long time. You know, I would, I would do it more with, like I said, hanging out at family functions and everybody was very patient with me, but in the end, you know, there were, there was a, a, this little golden, maybe four or five years, my husband has a a big family. I always say I won the in-law lottery that we we had this big family and all the nieces and nephews were were younger then they're 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 grown up now and graduated college my kids are on the younger end of the spectrum for our family so it's harder now cuz we're not together as much but for about 5 6 years for christmas every year i would put together a photo book of everything that we had been together all year i'm getting the and that's where i was telling our story and then Going through that that change that I went through with the five second rule and establishing my morning routine and figuring out that I suddenly had all this um, this pent up energy and curiosity about what was next, like I thought, okay, if I've got thirty, if I stay healthy, if I've got thirty years left, you know, if I make it to eighty or beyond, I don't see myself ever totally retiring. If I, if I get, especially if I get to do something I love, but what might that be? Do I want to be a photographer when I'm 70 or 80 schlepping a camera and all the gear around? Maybe not. I'm pretty physical when I'm doing photography, especially when I do it in a storytelling kind of way. So...
0: I, d- I just envision you like elbowing people. Yeah, like, I know. Like, I get getting up shot. in there. <laughs> like, I can totally I'm lying see down on it. the yeah, ground. Yeah. I'm
2: climbing up yeah. on things. I've been, I've been at weddings. I was at a wedding once and I was... I got so excited. That it was the dance floor time, you know, and that that's like my favorite time to take the photos is because people start to let loose. And I got up on this stool and I'm like taking a shot because I wanted to get it from like a bird's eye view kind of thing. And the next thing I know I'm falling and one of the wedding guests is holding me up. It's great. I'm crazy. Um,
0: yeah. Well, it was nice of them to hold you up. <laughs> it was. It was, it was yeah. very embarrassing. I can um, hear the, I can hear the, because you're very, calm like but the energy spike yeah. when you start t- telling that story when you start talking about photography is very apparent
2: yeah it's funny when I have the camera in my hand I I I always say you know especially if I'm doing a big group and I got to get that whole big group together I I just warn them in advance I'm like listen I'm really bossy with a camera in my hands at which point my husband likes to say with a camera in your hands because <laughs> <laughs> Uh, cause it turns out maybe, maybe I'm bossy more often than that. Yeah. Maybe, 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 you know, but, uh, but I do, I get excited. Um, uh, you know, if something's going well in a photo session, especially if I just, if I take a shot and I know I caught that moment, if I know I got it, I get, I literally get the shivers and I'll be, and I'll I'll be like, <laughs> you know, and, and people just start laughing. I'm a goof. I am a goof behind the camera. It's, kind of crazy.
1: So you made the realization though, that you might not want to be doing that when you're 80.
2: Right. And, and that's when I think that's when I, so, oh, I got to go back because when I was really looking at, when I was in my mid thirties and I was thinking, well, if I'm not going to be an actress, what would I be? I don't don't really know. I was listening to uh, This American Life I don't know if you guys know that show on NPR. I was a, a loyal listener to that show and it fascinated me. And I love the way they tell stories. And I thought, I'd love to do that. I would love to, to tell people's stories because I loved the way that they they told stories from such a human human level. You get the feeling that everybody has a story worth telling. And I do believe that. But I didn't know how i was going to make that happen at you know at my age and does that mean i have to go back to school for broadcasting how am i going to become a radio producer what do i even do i got myself a little mini disc recorder i got myself a shotgun mic i kind of dabbled in it but then i had kids and that like is as a whole thing in and of itself and i gave my full attention to that and kind of lost the thread on that radio production idea And then this thing, you know, when, when I got excited about the next 30 years, when I was approaching 50, the podcast idea came up and I now see that it's all totally related back to that um, germ of an idea that I had in my mid thirties of everybody has a story to tell that's worth telling. And what if I were to tell stories of other midlife people who have been where I am, where they feel stuck? and they've worked through it and they they found their way through to the other side and if i could tell that story and inspire other people
1: um i love it i love it and thank you for for just being um raw about it cuz you know it's a great example of what we were just saying about the underlying understanding of telling stories cuz once you figure that out like that 30 something you it's very easy to go oh, I can't do this broadcasting thing therefore I'm never going to tell anybody's story um but then you find photography and you're able to channel that energy in an avenue that now lets you have the flexibility to have this podcast thing and you know and to do all of these things and who knows what's next so long as you're telling people stories and no longer the limit isn't the thing it is it is yourself at that point right so I
0: think it's awesome and even, even more so, or along with that, Keith, I think attachment to the thing. Cause I think we we limit ourselves by, by, I am a sales rep. I am an actor. I am, it's like, no, I do that. And I like it, but like going that layer deeper of why am I an actor? What is it I love about this? Oh, I love the story. Oh, it turns out I can get that. I can get that fix. A hundred from a, a hundred thousand places.
2: Right, like I started to think about, gosh, what would happen if I if I lose my sight? How am I going to take pictures? You know, if or if I just uh, if I if I can't get around the way I do now. But you know what I figured out now is I'll just continue to tell stories. The technology it just depends on. I mean, there's so many ways to do that. Podcasts didn't exist back when I was thinking about This American Life and telling radio stories. Podcasts weren't a thing. And all of a sudden, there's this technology available to us. There's no gatekeepers. It's one of the things I love about photography and podcasting. As an actress, there were gatekeepers everywhere. I couldn't, I love acting. and, And my favorite thing is the rehearsal process. I love being in, like figuring it out, being in the process. How do we tell this story? But you can't do that until somebody casts you. You can't do that until somebody else gives you permission to tell that story and with a camera or a microphone and all this gear that i have i can do it whenever i want to it's amazing
1: so i there's a um an under, undertone here of something that uh, we've talked about a lot yeah, is the story that we were told growing up that led us to this space and then we had to find it at a certain point, some people earlier than others and so on. What was that story that, yeah, I mean, you started acting at 25, like you said, it was late. So up to that point, like, what was it like for you that, you know, maybe got you starting acting late and got you interested in it to begin with?
2: Yeah, well, actually... I started acting much earlier than that. It's just that I didn't start doing it professionally. I didn't move. I didn't make the move. Since I was six or seven, I wanted to move to New York and specifically to New York. I mean, I grew up in El Paso, Texas. Most of my friends, I went to college for acting. I knew what I wanted to do. I had done some in high school and then in college. That's where I really was like, boom, show after show after show, full-time school, full-time shows. It It was nonstop what ended up happening is I I got married right out of college and my husband, this was a first marriage and it was to somebody I'd been friends with in high school. He's a great guy. Um, What happened is he was, he wanted to be a police officer and I didn't want him to be a police officer in New York city. And I don't think he did either. And we decided to move to Denver, Colorado as a place to move to. Um, that we both felt like it was kind of a cool city and all that. And when when we got there, I started doing theater right away, community theater, but really good community theater, like terrific. And I did show after show after show after show. And I now, looking back at this, I realized that I must have been very absent from that marriage. And he did not like that I was doing so much theater, even though he knew that that was my, my dream. And he didn't like my theater friends. And we ended up divorcing after about four years, and that was when I was in my mid twenties. And I realized if that this was my moment to move to New York, if I was going to ever do it. And I did not want to be again eighty. Seems to be a big number in my head. I didn't want to be eighty in a rocking chair. Another image in my head that you know, classic. <laughs> you got your you got your shawl or your
1: your knitted knitted blanket. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Right, right. Um, yeah, I didn't want to be 80 and regretting that I had never taken that chance. So uh, I ended up selling. I ended up working really hard for a year, doing a lot of overtime at the job I was at and uh, saved up a good chunk of change and uh, then sold just about everything I owned and moved to New York. And no regrets, man. It, I seriously... Did you have any
1: issue making that decision like was that a hard decision or
2: no no cuz it's everything i had ever wanted it was scary i mean but i was mostly excited i didn't know anybody in the city i didn't i had one connection a playwright whose plays i had done in denver um he and his wife lived in the city and um i didn't have a job but i had saved up money so i ended up going up to my my aunt's house in maine Go figure to stay there over the summer for for a month actually, and I thought if I stay there for a month, and then I I got I talked to that one person I knew and said, can I stay with you for a week while I look for an apartment? And he he and his wife very graciously took me in for a week, stayed in their place in Greenwich Village, and I just tromped around the city. This is pre internet. I went to this random uh, place in Midtown that was in a. Ab- A roommate service where they had these huge binders full of sheets of paper that other people had come and filled out on paper and pen and uh, flipped through these binders looking at neighborhoods and people that were looking for roommates. And I found a roommate that way. It was crazy. And he turned out to be, first of all, it was a guy. He turned out to be just this amazing roommate. We we got along so well. Um, I'm sure my parents were plotting. I would have been as as a parent now that I think about it. But I think about everything I did, and yeah, and uh, and it was not a great neighborhood in Brooklyn. I will tell you that at the time. Now it's nice. Uh, they, it's gentrified or whatever since then. But uh, it was not. It was not a great neighborhood. But it was. He was fantastic and. You know when I moved in, I found a, a little temp job right away that turned into a long term position uh, and was still flexible, so I could go out and audition. I got a show within the first month I was there. It was like boom, I was off and running, and everything just fell into place. It's that thing of leap, and then the net will be there, so
0: but it's not there until you leap so you can't see it what uh, so when when you talk to your kids or or others that haven't yet reached their midlife doldrums like how 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 do you or how would you prep them for?
2: i would say visualize what you want your life to look like see if see if you can bring some intentionality to what you want that to be because until How can you get something unless you can picture it? I pictured New York City in my brain, my whole youth. I could see myself living in the city, going to auditions. And then I would walk around the city after I was there and I'd be like, I live here. I live here. It was amazing. And if I hadn't been able to see that in my mind's eye as a young kid, how would that ever happen?
1: Did you ever visualize like wait like th- do you think that was a limiting factor to your forties and why it was harder for you because you had i mean you kind of alluded to it, but you had no visual for what that looked like
2: I had no visual, especially for the first before I found photography, I had no visual, <laughs> I did not know I mean I loved. I loved being a mom. It changed me essentially though. I was never a worrier before. I was suddenly a worrier. And I didn't recognize myself and I didn't know what where I was heading. No clue. No clue for and then at you least take five those
1: years. first 5 years of parenting and it's just a it's just like what is happening right? It's just now, a wash. Right? I Every mean, day. it's like right.
2: Know. Right. There's a podcast called m- "The Longest more profound, Shortest, the times, longest, shortest Time," wasn't there? Yeah. A podcast the longest called shortest the time. The longest shortest time, where the, I would I would tell myself, I mean, I would tell myself, don't wish this time away, don't wish it away.
0: I was I was just getting ready to ask you what would you say to other moms that in that five years, like in that period where they don't see them, they don't recognize themselves. It's really hard. To look at yourself and not see yourself.
2: Yeah, it is. It's isolating. Once the kids started school, um, for two, we we moved um, to my husband's hometown and I didn't have any connections here either, except for his family, who again, I love, but I didn't have anything that was mine except for my little family. Um, So it can be very isolating to be a young parent, especially if you're home with your kids. Uh, there's lack of, uh, adult conversation other than with your, your spouse and, you know, and then you're putting everything on them. You know, all your eggs are in that basket. That's a lot of pressure, you know, on them kind of crazy.
1: So like there's, that's an interesting pivot point in your life. Was it, because it, it's sometimes hard to look back. It's like, oh, those were wonderful times. I was a mom, I was a parent and, you know, I really enjoyed it. But that shift in loss of self, would you say it took you 15 years to work through that or were there little wins along the way?
2: Oh, there were certainly little wins along the way. I mean, I, I always say that it's, that, that being a parent is the best and hardest thing I've ever done it i mean those little arms around you and that connection that physical connection when they're little you know you start off i mean i'm gonna get really the clumped as a woman they're inside you and then they're on you literally all you know all the time and it's wonderful i mean it's just it's this you know it's animal right and then they start to get Go away a little bit and come back as they get older. Boop, 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 boop. And then there's this independence that takes over. And that's exciting too. When they started talking, oh my gosh, we can talk to each other now. Wow, I can hear what's going on in that brain. It's every step along the process is amazing.
1: That it is. That it is. Yeah.
2: Frankly, I put off having kids for a long time, not just because I was pursuing the acting career, but also because I was terrified of teenagers just oh my god i don't want to have
0: teenagers and here you are you have them now how do you feel about it now here i am should i ask you should i ask you in five years
2: (laughs) yeah ask me in five years no they're great They, they i have good kids um and this year was a bonus year in a weird way because um here we are together and, you know, as teenagers, they don't want to be hanging around us that much. But for us, it was like, wow, we, this is bonus time of having them, having them yeah. here with us.
1: That is pretty, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Would you say that, um, yeah. cause this is, this is something I always like to un- understand. It seems like you had a pretty strong support structure growing up to be able to make the take, just kind of live the life you wanted to live step by step.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, what's great about my parents is that they, um, they did not dissuade me from being an actor, which I mean, there's a lot of friends that I've had where their parents were like, oh no, oh no, 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 no. And they, I mean, they said, get your education, you know, make sure you get that, that, that degree. And they taught me a really good work ethic. So I had that. I worked my whole way through college. I stayed home. I stayed home for college. um, Worked a full time job. Went to school full time, and then did theater at night. And then would leave rehearsals and go study and at some you know diner uh, so I could stay awake, and then go home and sleep, and get up in the morning and go work and do it again. Uh, It was crazy, but um, so they taught me a really good work ethic, and uh, and they they did support me. And also, um, man, they were strict. My parents were strict every Saturday was chore day, and you didn't get to go do anything else until the chores got done. I'm a little more lenient.
1: I respect that <laughs> I don't know
2: if i've I, I don't know if I've done my kids a service because i've I've not been as strict about that um but also, I saw them work really hard, yeah, so so it wasn't just talk, it wasn't. They they both worked really hard.
0: I think most of what I remember about my parents is the things that they did, and and that stuff that imprinted on me the strongest, I guess, is. So I get that. that
2: yeah, I remember. Answer. I remember getting my dad would be up at like five o'clock in the morning mopping the floor before he'd go to work. You know, cleaning cleaning the bathrooms. He was a great cook, and my mom uh, she started, you know, she went and started an insurance business. Uh, she became an insurance agent in her, she, first of all, she, she had not finished. Um, she didn't finish college. She, I remember in her forties when I was probably maybe preteen or early teens, she went back to school to try to get her associate's degree. So they valued education. My dad had also gone back to school because neither of them had a degree. They had both gone back to, to, to try to make that happen with, while raising us, while working. So to see them do that probably made a huge difference.
1: Mm, that's good. Well, I don't know how long it's gonna take to answer our final question. So I wanna pay heed, but before we do, Rodney, Do you have anything, any, anything else you wanted to ask? Any other questions?
0: I've been, I'm in a really contemplative mood today. So I'm listening and just kind of taking it all in. Um, But thank you.
2: Thank you. Um, it's this, my nose—I can't even see myself. I turn off my camera, but my nose must be bright red right now because you guys have made me all gushy. Can't
0: tell. It's uh, <laughs> it's the it's the
1: internet camera, so um, I it's no, a little grainy on my side, but it
0: I can't. Not. I don't think so, <laughs> Rodney. Uh, I right, right. just uh, no. no really appreciate you. it's very it's it's funny just that you, how the how the universe delivers timely conversations for things happening in, in our lives and our family's lives. And, and I'm really feeling that right now. So I feel just a lot of gratitude for what you walked us through and what you shared. And, uh, and I took, I actually haven't taken this many notes in a long time because I think I can apply, uh, personally and for my family. So thank you. And our final question is what does compassion mean to you?
2: I think compassion is, ah, it's tricky. Um, I think it means accepting, accepting people for who they are without letting them settle for who they, for their limitations. Yeah. I I think compassion is, is like what I used to think compassion was, was just feeling, feeling for somebody maybe more empathy right um but i think compassion really is seeing possibility in people beyond maybe what they can see for themselves and standing up for that you know not letting somebody fall under their own the weights of their own limiting thoughts The dinner, 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 the the dinner, 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 the